Hello, and welcome to my first podcast episode. My name is Bridget Roberts, and currently I'm a junior at the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. I am majoring in early childhood through sixth education because growing up in a really big family, I was one of eight siblings. I've always been around children. I absolutely adore children. And I also love school and education, so I figured early education teaching would be perfect for me. Today, however, we're going to be talking about something very serious, um, some very serious inequity of issues involving children, in particular, racism and linguistic multilingual discrimination. Now, I have to say, I'm not an expert at all when it comes to these topics, so throughout this podcast episode, you're going to be hearing parts of an interview I conducted with my brother-in-law, Mauricio Severa. You'll also be hearing snippets of interviews I did with a few of my peers. These will help give some insight that I don't have in order to help advocate for these children who do face these issues. As I said before, I chose to interview my brother-in-law, Mauricio. He married my older sister, Claire, and together they have two beautiful children aged two and eight months old. What I find really interesting is that they chose to raise their daughters bilingually, so their daughters will, will grow up speaking both English as well as Spanish. Mauricio grew up in Monterey, Mexico, and moved to the United States with his family when he was 14 years old. He started school in America, a freshman in high school, and was expected to speak English fluently. I learned through our interview that starting from a very young age, he had English lessons in Mexico for two hours daily. Here's what he had to say about his experiences. So did everyone learn English and Spanish growing up? In my school, yeah. well, yeah, all private schools pretty much. They're, you know, a good private school would was one of their selling points was a good English program. So, yeah, I had two hours of every day of English growing up. And I moved here when I was 14, so I had a really good base already. <laughs> and I was able to. I'll develop it, and it almost feels like my native language now. Um, and then, what age did you start learning English? Six. Okay. And then, did you speak it at home at all? Or was no. it kind of weird to speak it at home? No, never spoke it at home. Okay. Why is that, do you know? Because, uh, you know, my, we just grew up in Mexico where you speak Spanish. The next question I asked was if Mauricio had ever faced racism, and if he had, what was the situation like, and how did it make him feel? He said, however, that he never faced racism, and that the only racism he faced was people not thinking that he was Mexican. He said that this was harmless, and it never made him feel a certain type of way, and that it was a benevolent type of racism. Even though, I will argue that I don't think there's any type of truly harmless racism. Now, I realize that this is not the case for many immigrant children and teenagers, and that many, many, many of them face very serious racism. Racism has a high prevalence of being very detrimental to young children who move to the United States or any other country where their native language is not the main language spoken. I believe that they have a much harder time adjusting and being accepted by peers as well as educators. Oftentimes, Children who are multilingual are seen as slow or needing extra help, but they are actually very capable and intelligent. They may just not be able to tell people what they want to hear in the language that they are expected to speak. 
So, educators tend to put children who do not speak English well in separate classrooms, or they will completely exclude them from classroom activities. This is so upsetting to me. It is a perfect and saddening example of racism and discrimination with children in the classroom. Next, I discussed with Mauricio the advantages or disadvantages of growing up multilingually and playing with other children, and then we discussed the advantages or disadvantages of growing up multilingually when it comes to academics. Do you feel that being multilingualism or multilingual was an advantage or disadvantage when it came to playing with other children? Mm, definitely an advantage. I just, you know, play with kids who spoke either language. And then, do you feel like being multilingual was an advantage or disadvantage when it came to academics? An advantage. Very okay. big one, yeah. I then just asked Mauricio about a few of the main differences that he experienced culturally, religion-wise, and academics. And here's what he had to say. And so going into, like, since you moved here 14, freshman year, was it a big, like, adjustment, I guess, from the way that America does their school compared to Mexico? Yes. Okay. There was cultural components, religious components, just general practices of the typical ske- typical schedule of an average person. Um, <clears throat> anything from, you know, in Mexico we ate lunch at 2 p.m., and in the United States, you lunch around noon. Yeah. So I would just get hungry earlier <laughs> at night. Then, but then obviously you get adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, the religious component went to a religious private school, so religion was always in the background. Was always one of the main reasons for doing most things and it was really uh it was uh shown like in the day-to-day moving to you know public school where religion talk is allowed just finding more interesting topics topics of conversation and types of classes um and culturally, I mean, I always had uniforms growing up, so it was interesting to have to, you know, wear regular clothes every day, and yeah, just classes were were longer. Hmm. Yeah. So very different from Mexico. Yeah. By choosing to raise his daughters multilingually. Mauricio plans on raising children who are proud of their heritage and who will have what he sees as an advantage in life in many different ways. Why are you choosing to raise your children to be multilingual? Uh, part it's, it's a heritage question. You know, I'm really proud of where I come from, and I think they 
I'd like to, for them to be in touch with the roots and, you know, this my side of the family where, you know, 50% of their heritage comes from. Um, I mean, secondly, I think it's, you know, a great advantage, you know, academically, socially, and just, you know, multilingualism, I think brains develop more and can help in, in classes and academics. Mm-hmm. So a topic that we learned about was how being multi or bilingual or more t- having multiple languages, a lot of times children, they don't speak as fluently in either language as soon as people who only who are monolingual, so only one language. Um, and so a lot of times teachers and other people and peers assume that the child is slow. But on the other hand, they're having way more... They have much... A bigger advantage in their speech range and all that stuff because they're learning two or more languages at once. So it might take them a little longer to speak those fluently. Um, But when they do, they have big advantages. But a huge problem in schools are teachers assuming that, you know, these children need to just be put in, like, one or the other language groups because they're assumed as being slow. As you heard, many people think that being multilingual is a disadvantage. They think that learning and speaking multiple languages will cause the child to become confused. This is not the case, and studies have shown that children who speak more than one language receive a wide range of benefits mentally and socially. Why then do many children face discrimination in the classroom when in the grown-up world people are trying to become what these children are told not to be? Children use play in their language. In an article I read titled Play as the Precursor for Literacy Development, two little girls named Louisa and Rebecca use language to communicate their imaginative play. Louisa is multilingual in Spanish and English. She spent her first year in school being a very quiet three-year-old. However, by the next year, she began to flourish with speech and was well known in the classroom for being creative with language. But by the end of that year, her spoken language was growing in spurts, and she was known to be the quiet girl yet again. One day, Louisa decided to help her Spanish-speaking friend Rebecca better understand her imaginary script, which was being locked inside a house as it was raining hard. She realized that Rebecca was struggling to understand her plan as she kept walking through the supposedly locked doorway. Instead of forcing her friend to understand, she decided to change her narrative and started to yell in Spanish that it was raining inside the house. Both girls chanted this for a few minutes, and then they grabbed a puzzle with the Eensy Weensy Spider. Then they sang the song in Spanish and English. Luisa used her verbal skills to collaborate with Rebecca to create parts of their social and linguistic worlds. They code-switched, which is defined as alternating between two or more languages or language varieties in a context of a single conversation or situation. In a classroom, that allowed them the space and time for a child-centered and spaced curriculum. They did it in a natural, creative, and fun way, and both benefited linguistically from this experience. By second grade, Louisa seemed to be a totally different child in comparison to the bilingually creative girl playing with her friend. The dual language program at our public school kindergarten was focused on the foundation of oral language as opposed to play. 
She soon adopted the role as a good student since understanding printed symbols came easily to her. She was now known as the excellent student and not the playful and linguistically creative student. She stopped being as playful in school in order to conform to teachers' rules in a curriculum that was heavily based on literacy. Louisa became the worker and her behaviors followed that title. If you choose to place your children in school, how do you hope um, or do you hope that their experience will differ from yours? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's a tough question, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the best a parent can hope for is that their kid learns English well, and you know has all the fundamentals down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most fair uh, expectation to have from public schools. Um, you know, second language being taught in public schools there may not be enough you know time dedicated you know my experience was two hours a day for four for eight years I don't think that's you know I don't think that's reasonable I don't think that's uh, an easy expectation Hmm. so yeah my experience was when I moved here I learned English and then try to maintain my Spanish at home so yeah be the same my expectation would be to have the same experience as I did. And does your family just speak, or when you were younger, growing up as a child, you know, they just spoke Spanish to you? That was, yeah. like, the expectation. Would it be weird if you spoke English to them at all? Uh, or did you ever feel would like Would it be them? weird if, yeah, if spoken, I mean, using English words was okay, but, mm-hmm. you know, here and there, but, yeah, I mean, it weird and, you know, just the... Not in a bad way, but just, you know, it's not what we do type of way. Mm -hmm. So that was the background information from someone who experienced living life multilingually. In his case, Mauricio grew up enjoying mostly only the benefits and did not face racism or discrimination based on the language he spoke. However, it is important to keep in mind that his case is not like the majority of cases especially those of young immigrant children. These children will face harsh discrimination and segregation when it comes to interacting with those who do not understand them. I believe that we must advocate for these children who suffer this reality. Every child has a right to agency, which is defined as being able to make decisions and choices to influence events and to have an impact on one's world. When it comes to their agency, multilingual children should have it just as much as any other child. After all, they are still human beings. Despite the fact that there is a language barrier, that should not interfere with the child's decisions and choices. With the technological advancements like Google Translate, there should be no language barriers. In the article, Intersectionality and Possibility in the Lives of Latina OX Children of Immigrants, Imagining Pedagogies Beyond the Politics of Hate written by Ramon Antonio Martinez. There is a focus on looking beyond the title of multilingual or immigrant children. The article starts by introducing two young girls, Alma and Samantha. Both are multilingual as well as children of immigrants. However, the author stresses that we see them as much more than these titles. We need to see them as human beings first and foremost. 
Here are some quotes from the author of this article that relate to the inequities of linguistic multilingual discrimination and the racism that these children may face because of it. He starts by saying, I want to suggest that their agency as human beings, although obviously constrained by broader systems and structures of denomination, is nonetheless reflected in the various identities that they actively construct for themselves and the possible futures that they envision for themselves. I have been reminded that children's agency is never entirely constrained by the broader systems that structure their everyday lives. Despite the undeniable influence of these broader systems and structures, who these children are and who they aspire to become is not limited to their immigration status, national origin, ethnic background, or any other macro-sociological category. Children of immigrants is not where they begin or end as human beings. He goes on by saying that he has experienced so many examples from Alma and Samantha of them sharing their linguistic, cultural backgrounds, identities of being children of immigrants and having so many of these different experiences and he says that they offer so much to schools. They can bring so much to educational systems and yet due to racism related to their immigration status, people choose to not help them as human beings. They choose to be prejudiced towards them. And it's really saddening to see that happen over and over and over again to children in U.S. schools. Martinez then shares some tips for educators that he believes will help lessen these inequity issues. He goes by saying, Teachers should not shy away from discussing the harmful politics and hateful rhetoric that characterize today's political climate. As we know, even very young children are capable of engaging in critical dialogue around sensitive and controversial political topics, especially when these topics overlap with their lived experiences. We discussed in one of my courses, um, Childhood Play and Development, how children are so much smarter than people give them credit for, and that they live these extremely difficult experiences that I don't think I could handle as an adult, but these children go through these experiences and they're smarter than we give them credit, like I said, and so they're able to have these discussions with educators and we should be there to help them talk through what is happening in their lives. They're living these experiences and yet educators so often are so scared to bring up these conversations with these children because they're afraid that they're too young to talk about it, but I believe that this is not the case and that children should be aware of what they're going through, the racism that they face due to the languages that they speak or they don't speak. Martinez then gives a very helpful tip, which I agree with 100%, and that is to communicate and interact as much as you can with the parents of these immigrant children. He goes to say that immigrant parents play a fundamental role in the lives of their children and have tremendous influence over who these children are, what they experience, and who they aspire to become. Any efforts to enact transformative pedagogies for Latina OX children of immigrants should therefore involve meaningful engagement with their parents. We can and should see them as necessary allies in the collective work of imagining and creating a better world for their children. This requires, however, that we rethink who immigrant parents are and what they think and know about education and how they support their children. 
as I said, I completely agree with what Martinez is saying here. In my own personal experience, I was an assistant teacher for a religious class at my church. There was about 30 first graders and about four of them spoke um, only Spanish and their parents spoke only Spanish as well. And so me and the teacher would um, translate the homework and the curriculum into Spanish for these children. And we would make sure that all emails were in Spanish as well. That way we had a communication with the parents. And then um, what are the ways that these equity issues, so racism or multilingualism discrimination, could be less of a problem for families and children? Yeah, it's... Like in school settings, playgrounds, playscapes, you know. Uh, for this project, I have to find a way to improve these, like advocate for children, um, for their agency and for their... Um, you know, their play. Yeah, I think, and I've thought about this quite a bit, I, th I think paying less attention might solve some issues. What I mean by that is, you know, kids learn the most through play and just through being exposed to different experiences and different, you know, different situations, be it with kids or with adults. And kids are very adaptable and flexible, so if, you take a six-year-old and try to nail down his skills and his future prospects, you know, when he's six years old because he can't pronounce a, a word perfectly. I mean, I think you're setting up some, you know, for failure for everybody involved. So I think just being more, um, I mean, kids just learn through play and for the first stages of their life until you know, seven, eight years old when they start learning more hard skills, I mean, you can really let, let them be and they'll learn the most when they're just exposed to, to more playtime or interactions with other kids and so if you place them in a, in a setting where constricting them already from, from a young age, whether it be in a separate classroom or separate schedules, you're just hurting the chances for, for learning an opportunity. Then I asked, what are the things I can do to make racism and linguistic multilingualism discrimination less of a problem in my future classroom as a teacher? What are the things that I can do to make racism and linguistic slash multilingualism discrimination less of a problem in my future classroom of little, like, kindergartens, first yeah, and second year olds? I think the easy answer is to just not do that. But I, I think acknowledging the, just this, every kid's situation and the mm -hmm. fact that, yeah, so some of these kids only speak Spanish at home, then they get to school mm -hmm. and they haven't spoken a word of English. Um, so it's it's understanding that situation, but at the same time, you know, not putting putting it against them or punishing them for it. But I don't think it's also the the answer is to just ignore that and you know assume that every, everything is is good and happy and he that he's 
just as developed as a kid that has grown up with two English-speaking parents, which obviously won't be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just, you know... It's not, like acknowledging not, the differences, but not making a point to have, like, special things for each child. Right. It's like normalizing that there are... Yeah. I think starting at a young age, teaching children about the benefits of learning multiple languages, you know, and... That, yeah, he might only speak Spanish to you, but, you know, you only speak English. So, like, there is a difference there. Or, like, Spanish and English, you know. Yeah, it's a very tough situation, for sure. And there's some kids that, yeah, grow up to be 18 and never really mastered either language. So I really liked how Mauricio said that kids learn through play and we need to let them be unrestricted in separate classrooms. And they need to be exposed to different experiences in order to learn and to grow. And they can do that naturally through play. Um, And a lot of times, children will be separated in different classrooms per the language they speak. And they won't interact with other children. And I feel like there's so many benefits for both different groups to learn from each other, both um, language-wise and culturally. Let's hear what others have to say about this topic. So I'm here with Mars, and the first question I'm going to ask is, do you feel that being multilingual was an advantage or disadvantage when it came to playing with other children? So I'm not multilingual. However, I have always gone to school with the predominantly white upper middle class um, to white upper class population of students. Um, And my graduating high school class had a total of five girls of color out of the hundred students graduating. So while I can't speak to this like racism in the classroom from a linguistic point of view, I can say that when you are the outsider in a majority population, you definitely have a hard time acclimating and feeling like you're socially part of your class. So I can imagine that these are going to be the same issues that a student that speaks a different language is going to have as well. Okay, and then what are the ways that these equity issues could be less of a problem for families and children? Um, as far as the, is this from like a teacher's perspective? It can just be from anyone, but mainly teachers. Okay, so from a teacher's perspective, I wish that my teachers had paid more attention to the different cultures in their rooms. Um, so as a Hispanic student, the only like holiday that we ever celebrated was Cinco de Mayo. And I feel like they kind of took like a folklore kind of approach to it like not really doing much investigation into like the actual like heritage behind it or learning how to pronounce like the words that would have been nice if teachers could actually pronounce the words they were teaching a lesson about um so yeah i feel like teachers need to bring like an appropriate awareness to their students cultures and make them feel less like outsiders or like something to be like studied in their rooms Great response. And then the last question is, um, what are the things I can do to make racism and linguistic slash multilinguist linguistic discrimination less of a problem in my future classroom? Um, I think an easy thing that teachers could do 
um, if you have a majority population in your class that maybe is not um, a majority in like society, um, is to expose those students to other races. I feel like that's just the simplest thing. Just remind them that like, hey, they're, you're not the only race out here in the world, right? So um, like in high school, for example, they didn't do that with us, the five um, girls of color. And so I kid you not, one day my dad picked me up from a sleepover and my friend's dad didn't think that his daughter could have had like a Hispanic friend and literally says to my dad, oh, are you the gardener? So I think like just exposing your students if for some reason they don't know any other colors exist in the world to the fact that other colors exist um, would be a good start for teachers, the bare minimum, if you would. Here is an additional interview I did with a fellow peer who grew up multilingually. Okay, so do you feel that being multilingual was an advantage or a disadvantage when it came to playing with other children? Um, being multilingual was a dis felt like a disadvantage for me when I first started school here. Um, I was in a bilingual class, but a lot of the activities like PE and stuff like that were with the rest of our grade with kids that didn't speak Spanish or like you know, the regular um, English classes. And so socially, I felt a little bit like an outcast. And even with my class, like I was never really outgoing, but it did help that um, we were all bilingual. So in my class, it was, it was all right, like it was good. But with the rest of the school activities, it was kind of, I, I did feel at a disadvantage, kind of left out. Okay. So what are the ways that these equity issues, so racism and linguistic and multilingualistic discrimination, how can they be less of a problem for families and children just in general? I think exposing and kind of talking to your, to your kids, your students, whatever, um, about all the different cultures, all the different ethnicities and how different they are from, I guess, from each other but kind of in a way that celebrates them so like we all have our own cultures and ethnicities and stuff like that but that's all I mean I think it's beautiful it's mm -hmm. seeing the differences in everyone you know and then the last question is what are things I can do to make racism and linguistic slash multilingualism discrimination less of a problem in my future classroom I think incorporating it into the curriculum and like I said, celebrating the differences and exposing kids who maybe have never seen or experienced or um, been exposed to other cultures or yeah, seen them outside of, like seen culture, other cultures outside of their home. So exposing them and um, incorporating all that stuff in the, to, into the curriculum would be really good for them to get to know all these cultures. Thank you so much. And up next is the final interview that I conducted with a peer. So I'm here with Alicia, and we're going to go ahead and discuss some of the questions. For the first one, talking about equity issues, less of a problem for families and children, I think about the guardians or the parents exposing children to 
all types of cultures, all types of ethnicity uh, in the world, but also thinking about like the community in general, going out into the community um, and celebrating those cultures together. Uh, the children are learning from their parents and their guardians, so I think it's very important, especially at a such young age for children to learn from uh, the adults and understand the world around them. And then for the second question, talking about uh, how Bridget here can uh, help make her classroom uh, more inclusive, I think about in my student teaching placement right now, uh, we, in terms of like linguistic, we allow writers to write in whatever language they feel like for writer's workshop. Um, and then also we allow them to speak whatever language they want in class. Uh, so I think it's very important to have those moments in class in the curriculum to be very inclusive and understanding of uh, the children's backgrounds so that way they can um, express where they're coming from. So then I did have a question. So um, students that don't speak English um, and are you know in the process of learning or they just don't know it, um, how do you or other teachers in your classroom, if they don't also speak Spanish, how do you find that like translation? Uh, so I know a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> so I can kind of figure it out myself, but honestly, as a teacher, I want, I'm willing to learn it and like look it up and figure out what they're trying to say. Uh, also another thing you could do as a teacher is pair them up with somebody who can translate. That's literally what my students do in class. They'll translate the directions for them and that helps out a lot too. Awesome, thank you so much. So as we heard, almost every person that I interviewed said that celebrating differences and teaching children from a young age about different races and languages spoken is a key element to their social development. To do this in a classroom, will require creativity from educators, patience, and understanding. The teacher must also teach all students to appreciate differences and see language differences as a source of knowledge and new exciting experiences for them. It will all be worth it when you know as a teacher that you are helping to give these children agency and the best possible experience in school that they can have.